Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? Yes, I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Speaking of the Amador Whiskey Company, we just had a surprise, awesome visit by our Amador Whiskey Company rep, who not only gave us another bottle of Amador Double Barrel Bourbon, uh, but also a very handsome, I think would be the Hmm. right way to describe it. It is handsome. A handsome bar kit by Amador. Pretty, 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 pretty pretty good. good. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's awesome, actually. It's great quality, and and quite frankly, the one I have at home is 20 years old. And it's probably not very high quality, so that baby's going in the garbage, and this is replacing it. I gotta think a twenty-year-old Big Kurt bar kit would be like a six-year senior's helmet. Like that thing's seen some wars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's fair to say. Yes. So good timing, good gift by Amador. Thank you very much, Amador Whiskey Company. I'll tweet out the picture of the box and the uh, bar kit later today. It's, yeah. it's very good. Gonna make me some old fashions tonight. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, Big, uh, big, big holiday coming up. Uh, so happy Thanksgiving to our listeners. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Best holiday ever. It's a good one. There's no doubt about that. Um, also tweeted out a picture of the two turkeys that I have brining in my fridge, not too far away from where we're recording here in the downstairs athletic club. It brining. I mean, it's a fancy way of saying. Miss, uh, mixing a shitload of salt yeah. and water and then dropping your turkey in there. Right. Um, I threw a little thyme and rosemary in there, too. That was something what that kind of mix did you go with? What percent salt? Uh, Do you know? Three cups or three quarters, excuse me, three quarters of a cup per one gallon. So okay. I, put, I wound up putting okay. three gallons of water in, so that would be roughly just over two cups of salt okay. that you got mixed in. Gotcha. Uh, but that's apparently supposed to permeate the turkey. So the big turkey's going in the oven. Uh, secret ingredient: pouring uh, ginger ale over top of the turkey as you're cooking. Yeah, like you keep moistening it up. Really, pouring ginger ale. On okay. It. Yep. Uh, and then the other one, the smaller one's going into the smoker, which is the first time I've done that. Um, I've smoked enough. I feel like I can pull it off. But we'll okay. See. Well, good luck with that. Yeah. Um, I, so I'm not cooking. Nope. I, I am ordering takeout. I'm gonna pick it up tonight, and I'm not even going bird because I eat turkey all year. Why do I need turkey? This week, yeah, I I need the stuffing, I need the potatoes, I need the green bean casserole. That's all I need. Green bean casserole. So that's the three. That's the trio. You, so you could kind of a la carte pick up what you wanted to, because you go up to four or five ingredients if you wanted to. Okay, here, here's what here's what the place that I ordered from Kowalski's. You okay. know Kowalski's. Yep. So you could order the full meal with bird or just sides, because some people like to cook their own bird, right? Makes so sense. I ordered the just sides. So it also includes the sweet potatoes, which. Eh, it's fine. I'll eat them. Okay. But it also includes a pumpkin pie, which I will not eat. So if you want it, it's yours. I would take that pumpkin pie. Okay. I'll I'll try to drive it by tomorrow. And of course, when you have pumpkin pie, you have to have it with Cool Whip. Cool Whip, of course. Um. So then turkey. I mean, we, we won't podcast on all this because pretty much every college football podcast is going to talk about, you know, Thanksgiving ingredients and whatnot. But there seems to be a lot of pro-turkey you know, non-turkey people out there. That's the big debate that you've been seeing all week. Yeah, I mean, it's not like I don't like the turkey. I love turkey. Okay. But it just takes up place that could be occupied by stuffing and, and potatoes. Okay, but now i got two questions. But first, I guess this question I want to ask you first, like, 
you only ordered sides, but are you going to have a meat that's a center part? No. <laughs> just literally just going to do sides. I mean, really, the only time I have stuffing all year is is during the holidays, so I like to take advantage of it. <laughs> all right, that is that is true Big Kurt maneuver. Like, when I go to my mom, she knows to make an obscene amount of stuffing Stu- because – okay. Like I eat a crazy amount when I'm at my parents' house. Stuffing's good. Um, the funny thing is, I don't actually eat a lot of mashed potatoes throughout the year, but I will de- I will devour mashed potatoes tomorrow. Love. We are potatoes. recording this on Wednesday evening. Um, uh, shout out, okay. So shout out to my mom, Grandma Greek. Um, fantastic chef. She's great around Thanksgiving, all holidays. Um, I also want to give a shout out to my aunt Wendy. Okay. okay? If if mom's not hosting, Wendy is also a fantastic cook, chef, whatever you want to say. Also, Wendy should be very important to the podcast listeners because she is the originator of the what do we eat? Oh, yes, what do of we course. eat? Go for meat here. That's Aunt Wendy's. I have failed to give her enough credit, so I wanted to make sure I called her out for that. She prepares it raw. <laughs> she does. <laughs> um, and then my last couple things. With the turkey is, I, I wonder if Jim Harbaugh is letting his team have any turkey. Yeah, because it's a nervous bird. Well, the chicken's the nervous bird, okay, but well. but is a but turkey a nervous bird? That's what I want. I we would know say, chicken is a nervous bird. It does, is a turkey in the nervous bird family. I would say it's not as nervous. Not as nervous as a chicken. I mean, you see wild turkeys all the time, right? And they're just, they seem like they're chilling. Pretty they're chill, right? They're girthier. You know, the bigger the person, the less nervous they typically yeah. are because they feel like so maybe it's something to do that. Yeah, they're not nervous because like they they kind of let you get close to them too. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't seem intimidated by cars that much. No, which can be unpleasant for them yeah. and that car eventually. Yeah. And then uh, keep it on with the Michigan theme. Shout out to Blake Corum. I don't know if you saw on mm, Twitter, yeah. but he served up. It looked like a hundred turkeys. Like he used his own NIL money yeah. to purchase turkeys and bring it, which then made me feel great that humans do that. But then bad that like a 20 year old, 21 year old is doing more to help the world than I am. So I wanted to give a shout out to Blake Corum. That is fantastic. It was pretty awesome. Way to go, Blake. Um, and then keep, keep it on with that. <clears throat> um, sw- switching over to more, uh, maybe not so positive things, but the rivalry, right? This is this is rivalry week. Um, Michigan versus Ohio State. I mean, I think it's the number one fo- college football rivalry of all time. It is definitely the biggest rivalry game this weekend. It's not even close. Yeah. Um, so I didn't see a ton of Michigan Michigan State talk. Quite quite honestly, before the game. I mean, there were some Michigan not- Ohio State. So I'm going back. You know, oh, to before, the Michigan, to the Michigan, Michigan yep. Um, I haven't seen. I've seen some Iowa, Nebraska this week. I've seen some Minnesota, Wisconsin, but my Twitter feed is is overwhelmed with Michigan and Ohio State fans talking smack, which I just want to say I'm all about. I love it. That's what makes college football great. What do you think about Ohio State fans' yeah. commitment to the red X in place of M's? Uh the letter M. I mean, I, I get say. it. It's it's isn't it a little like can we move on? So here's I think it's awesome the week before the week of yeah the week of the, the game people doing it year round that's exhausting exactly you've got a lot of patience if you're <laughs> still if you're doing do that it. year round and Mr Ohio does doesn't he I don't think so not no? he just does it with. His, his name, but I don't think he does it year round. Oh, I th- maybe you're right. Okay, it's just with his name. Yeah. Which okay, that's fine. But I mean, there's obviously a lot of 
words that have the letter M in it. Hey, so. speaking of speaking of that game, yeah, the game, right? The game. Quote the game. Did you see me interacting with John Bacon this week on no, Twitter? No. Well, he had, he he posted something about quote the game, right? And this is John Bacon, arbiter of all things Michigan football knowledge, right? Like he's he's the guy when it comes to Michigan yep. football. If he doesn't know, nobody knows. So he was talking about it, and so I said, "Well, I'm just curious. When did the game become the name of this game? Because it, I, I don't remember that as a kid. I remember it being well into adulthood before I ever question. heard that." Right. And he said, he basically said, "There, nobody knows." It was the answer, but it it does go back pretty far. And he said, definitely by the time that that Bo beat Woody in 1969 well, like to start the, the ten year war, war he yeah. said, absolutely by that point. But there's different stories that go back even further than that that he can't confirm or deny. Which kind of adds to the lore. So it, it does, so yeah. It, so it's good. So I was surprised though because I thought he was going to say, "Well, it kind of became a thing recently." Gotcha. Because that's how I felt. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's been a lot of uh, Ohio State and Michigan fans that have lived and died uh, on this uh, rivalry. Speaking of dying, <laughs> interesting obituary for a Nebraska. Oh God, this is great. <laughs> so uh, the obituary of Nebraska resident Milton A. Munson Jr., who died at 73 last Tuesday. God rest, uh, Milton Munson. Um, he stated his cause of death was that Nebraska clinched another losing season. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't be laughing because the poor guy's dead, but I, well, I think that is commitment. I think if you have team. the sense of humor to do that, that means they want that person wants you to share in a laugh after I think his so. ultimate demise. So I f- don't feel like we're, you know, we're, we're yeah. dancing on the Fair. grave, so to speak, but holy cow, that was, uh, Stated cause uh, the grim reality of the Nebraska Cornhuskers finishing yet another season with a losing record proved to be too much to bear for Milton Andrew Munson. This is his obituary, right? Yeah, I'm reading right, it. I get it. Who decided he'd seen enough of this world during the team's recent bye week? The Huskers may not have sent him into the afterlife with a victory, but at least they didn't lose. And sometimes that's the best you can hope for. In lieu of flowers, please place an irresponsibly large wager on Nebraska beating Iowa. All right, that's the last part is what did it for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. So you don't ever, don't ever uh, challenge Nebraska fans for being committed to their football program. No, another, sir. Another, speaking of Nebraska fans, again, shout out to the Husker Cuzcast. They mm. had me on. Yeah. Uh, that, that podcast is already out there. We had a pretty in-depth talk about the Iowa-Nebraska game, so please check that out. And so Thanks got, for having me on, guys. Yeah, great great cast, by the way. I love those guys. Just say, tell them hi for me. I did. I did. All say right. Hi. Thank you. I, I can't remember if I said it during the recording or right before yeah. but I said it at one point. Yep. OK, so Little House keeping James Franklin. Yeah. Signed a 10 year deal. Seven million per year with annual five thousand or five hundred thousand dollar raise million dollars in incentives per year. But as you talked about last time, was it for the flat contract? Yeah. It's only as good as the buyout, right? Sure. Yeah. So buyout. Is twelve million now, okay. but drops to eight million next year. Okay, and then six million in twenty three. After that, it's down to two million. So, so he's really only signed through twenty three. Right, devils in the details with Correct. those contracts. Um, but yeah, good. Well, Mel, I don't think's official oh Mel yet. Mel is the one that we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, is Mel official yet? I don't think I've seen it. I don't Let's know. know. Um, I don't know. Uh, by the way, I I I'm ninety five percent sure I said it on this podcast that I didn't think. Uh, uh, James Franklin was going anywhere. Well, he's not going anywhere for two more years. Two more years. I can but say. Point being is, people thought he was going like 
imminent. You know, like he he could have announced where he was going in a matter of days from us recording this. I think we can now throw that out the window. Well, yeah, correct? no, for sure. But it's I just thought those buyouts were interesting because it seems like Penn State's hedging a little bit here. And maybe James Franklin's hedging right. a little bit. It's a mutual hedging, but you also get to have the splashy headline that goes Correct. out there that you can tell recruits, don't yes. worry, I'm not going anywhere. So I, I would say that's I would say that's both an agent of James Franklin and the university that have come together. And I mean, I can't remember where I read it, but you know, if you ask these athletic departments, um, they very much are aggressive and want the best coach and all that, obviously. But maybe preceding that is to not be get get caught with your pants down. It's a yeah. bigger fear to be caught with your pants down with a coaching situation than it is to go after the greatest guy all the time. And if you think that's like a loser mentality, my guess is you've never run an athletic department right. like this. And you probably aren't speaking on experience would be my guess. Hey, one more bit. Just thought of this right now to see Jerry kill got hired by New Mexico yeah. state and Ryan bird. Just see what he tweeted. No, huh? You know who, who's playing New Mexico state first game of next year. Minnesota. It's the Gophers. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Good luck with that, New Mexico State. Can't wait for that handshake at midfield. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Hmm. Predicting there won't be one. There, and if it will, it would be a, it would be a frosty handshake, very quick. One, yeah, I would think. Yeah. Um, speaking of somebody coming back, we got Mo Mo in 2022. Mo Ibrahim announced today that he is coming back to play running back for the University of Minnesota for one more year. Do you see that Adam Corsack got a waiver to play again next year? Yeah, we got, uh, and and we are aware of the of the awards. This is too big of a podcast yeah. to also include that. Um, there were two Big Ten punters that. Are, are on the Ray Guy Award, neither of not, which not are the two you would have the, expected yeah. probably preseason. Yeah, but. so we'll talk about that yeah. next week. But congrats to them, and good to see two two thirds of the Ray Guy finalists be from the Big Ten, as they should. So, um, last thing here, well, second to last thing, kind of <clears throat> before we get in the games, but the college football rankings oh, yeah. came out last night. Not a whole bunch to talk about. I don't. I don't mean to pat myself on the back, but I mean I did call Ohio State moving up to number two, which they did, which they should because they are a more complete team than to Alabama to me, and I don't think Alabama has anything on their resume as good as that outlandishly large win that they had over Michigan State last weekend. Well, since you brought up Alabama and Ohio State and awards, I found it funny that. For the Blitnikoff finalist, yeah. not a single Ohio State guy, but a guy that left Ohio State to go to Alabama because he couldn't find playing time. That was interesting. Quite interesting. Yeah. A little bit of development. I will say that if you take JSN, Chris Olave, or Garrett Wilson, one of those three, you're leaving out the other two. You can't tell me that that didn't play into yeah. the minds. I thought maybe Chris Olave would just get it because – He's been the more stalwart wide receiver over the last two or three years for Ohio State. But so Alave, by the way, Jahan Dotson has a reason to be upset. True. Too. So Alave, 151 yards, I think, away from 1,000. And Wilson is 61 yards away from 1,000. And Jigba Smith, or right Smith and Jigba is already there. Yeah. So they, they have a shot at regular season, three 1,000 I mean, yards. it's kind of like how we didn't have – we didn't have a plethora of Ohio State skill position players as our Eisman of the week until the last two weeks because they're always doing so much that it's kind of the norm. I think that type of thought process played out in the real world with some of these awards because there's just so much spreading of the wealth and so much people yeah. have gotten used to it that it's wound up kind of 
hurting the Buckeyes for individual. Work. I think so. Um, so Ohio State number two, Michigan moves up to number five. Michigan State drops to number twelve. Wisconsin moves up a little bit to fourteen, and Iowa moves up to number sixteen. So five Big Ten teams ranked. Um, and then last thing uh, before we get into the game, so. Um, the Big Ten East is pretty easy, right? Who's going to get to Indianapolis? The winner of the game is going to be the representative for the Big Ten East. The Big Ten West, a little bit murkier, but not all that complicated. There are three teams still left alive, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota. Wisconsin is easy, right? For anybody that doesn't know this, doesn't matter what happens anywhere around them. If they, they beat Minnesota, grab the axe, they're going to Indianapolis. For Iowa to get in, a little bit simpler, but also very much dependent on the result of another game. Iowa has to beat Nebraska. Wisconsin needs to lose to Minnesota, and Iowa goes to Indy. The third most, but very close to the second most uh, um, uh, percentage on what could happen as far as Vegas would see it, is Minnesota goes to Indianapolis. How they need a three-legged parlay to hit, which is Minnesota beats Wisconsin, Iowa loses to Nebraska, and interesting enough, Purdue has to beat Indiana to make it a four-way tie among those teams. Right. And Minnesota breaks that tiebreaker. It is actually the team that goes to Indianapolis. Yeah, crazy that Purdue can actually have a share of the West. They can't go to Indy. They cannot. But they can have a share of the West. Correct. Good so, for the Boilers. Something for Purdue to play for, too. Absolutely. I mean, for them, they're they're hoping, it, they're hoping Minnesota is the team now that goes because right. you know that's as close as they'll come. Um, but yeah, anyways, I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, was at a party on uh, Saturday night with some Gopher fans. And I mean, I was positive of Wisconsin and Iowa, what, what had to happen to them. Then we started debating on what it took for Minnesota to go. And I was pretty sure they were still alive. And I was yeah. pretty sure I was explaining to them like, you know, you guys are Nebraska fans on, on black Friday. And that's pretty much how it worked out. But again, and I know we talked about it on the last, last podcast, three teams from the West, Two teams from the East still alive yeah. for a title post-Thanksgiving. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that's about the best we're ever going to get for us recording on this podcast. Pretty good. And and Nebraska, if you ask Nebraska fans, they're fighting to stay out of last place. That too. So, well, and how that would work out, that's good. Yeah, because right North- now, if things finish today... Northwestern would be in last place because Nebraska would break the tiebreaker. Mm. So that's one thing. Right. If, but- if Nebraska and Northwestern both win out or or lose out, they would be tied. Now, technically, they'd be tied for last place. But right. I mean, Nebraska would, would bump in front of them. But it Correct. is something else that they're playing for, for sure. Like they don't want North. They're Illinois fans this weekend. They are gigantic Illinois yep. fans this weekend. So funny how those things kind of work out, right? Anything else, buddy? No, let's get into it, man. Last week of the season, week 13, seven games, of course, all 14 teams in action. Of course, rivalry weekend, all these times we're going to give you our central standard time. One game on Black Friday, six games on Saturday, November 27th. First game up, the Black Friday that we talked about. Nine and two, number 16 ranked Iowa going into Lincoln to take on the three and eight Nebraska Cornhuskers. This is a 12.30 p.m. game on Big Ten Network line. Hawks by one and a half over under 41. Vegas says 21 to 20 Hawks, 77% of the bet. Bets are on the Hawkeyes. This is the Heroes Trophy, or as a lot of people 
Nebraska fans and Iowa fans say, oh, yeah, that trophy. That's Oh, I awarded. forgot there's a trophy in yeah. this game. Right. I mean, I here's what I'll say. It's kind of an odd thing in that I can assure you both fan bases want to win this game. It's just that the trophy is quite the afterthought. It would be the way I would Very, say. very much the afterthought. But yeah. you know what's not an afterthought for me right now? Is the original line that had the Huskers favored here by, what, is about three points, I yep, think? Yep, three, three and a half. May have moved around a little bit. That was the strangest thing to me, because basically what Vegas was saying is a team that can't win a close game is going to beat a team that always wins close games in a close game. What was happening there? And then another way of saying it is that a three-win team would beat a nine-win team well, playing in the same division. You could, Yeah, you could put it that way, too. It just was the screwiest line. And sure, I get it. If you match up statistics, I, I, I can see, like, if you take the names away from the two teams, I get it. Kind of, except for the record. Record doesn't make sense either. That was the screwiest line. I, I couldn't wait to bet on that. Um, it. I was asked pre-line being released several times on Twitter. I just kept saying, I think it's going to be close to a pick. But if I had to uh, lean one way or the other, I thought maybe Iowa by yeah. one and a half or two. Yeah. Um, so I knew it would be close. But with a three and a half point line, essentially what you're saying is I, at that time, Iowa and Nebraska meeting on a neutral field would be an even line. Right. That's what they thought. Right. Which is just more, even even a different way of, of explaining the confusion. And, you know, I guess the other side is they always do play close games. Right. But they always lose those close games. Uh, yeah, it adds to the enigma wrapped in a riddle, uh, which has been Nebraska football. Speaking of the enigma wrapped in a riddle, a big part of that has been Adrian Martinez, a.k.a. 2AM, um, who... You know, has been a he has been a great Nebraska Corn Husker in many ways. Okay, failed to mention this last week on the podcast. Wanted to bring it up, even without playing this game on Friday. He will. He has, as of right now, is the leader in Nebraska football history. Right, this is Nebraska football yep. history for most yards yeah. ever ever obtained by a football player. So right then and there. You have to give a nod to this guy like that's incredible. Absolutely. Um, this year, broken jaw, meth, bum ankle. Ankle, yeah. And now uh, his shoulder. Now He's his gonna shoulder. Finish the game versus Wisconsin with God knows what. I mean, it was a bad enough injury. He has to get surgery. surgery yeah. But he finished the game throwing the football at times. So you can say a lot of things about Adrian Martinez. There's some debate, I think, among uh, Nebraska fans on exactly how good Adrian Martinez is if they want him back yeah. next year. That's for Nebraska fans for the most part to figure out. But one thing that we will not take slander with on this podcast is anybody calling out Adrian Martinez for his character or his toughness because he's he's got that covered. Dude's a warrior. Uh, with that being said, him out of the game is quite the thing. Um, give me your thoughts first when you first heard it. Well, I mean... Yeah, obviously I felt bad for Adrian, like to see him play. So that that's that changed the line in the game, of course. It swung it from Huskers favored to Iowa favored. I'm just I don't know how productive a Logan Smothers can be right now after not taking snaps all year. I mean, I know he had a few games where he got some some tick, but not taking snaps in practice, I don't know how in sync they can be 
between the quarterbacks and the wide receivers. The instinct thing is interesting because there's obviously been a connection between Adrian Martinez and Austin Allen, uh, who, by the way, has announced this will be his last game as a Nebraska yeah. Cornhusker, and Adrian Martinez and Samar Torre. So that is interesting to think. I mean, there is a thing. There is a thing between quarterback, wide receiver connection. So, so we'll see if that plays in. Yeah, and so what I'm expecting, because Logan Smothers is a dual threat kind of guy, Right. I'm expecting to see him running a lot. Um, I would think he would be running a lot. Um, I would say, you know, if I'm an Iowa football player, I am upset that Adrian Martinez isn't playing this game. Why? Because as a competitor, you want to see the best of the other team on what they what they have. Um, as far as the Iowa coaches, I'd be interested to hear what they say because, I mean, let's be honest, they're 3-0 and versus Adrian Martinez. They've figured out a way to beat him already in the past, and – and they have tons of film on them. I think Iowa's at its best when they feel comfortable with what the offense is coming at them with because they're such a seasoned and older group. Now there's going to be confusion on exactly what the route combinations hmm. that Nebraska is going to be running. Sometimes yeah. you see that bump with a, a new quarterback True. comes in That's and a, a guy point. takes yeah. off. because So maybe in my mind, I wonder if there's going to be a, a, a bump in production at the beginning of this game before Phil Parker and the defense can adjust on what Scott Frost and the offensive coaches are doing different with Smothers. Yeah, I have a lot of confidence in them being able to adjust. So, you know, the one thing that gave me pause about just picking Iowa outright is, you know, it was it was the offensive production. For for Nebraska, the, the the more more yardage, I guess, than anything. But they move the ball absolutely. Now I'm just not so sure. I don't not know. As much sure. It's just it's a toss up. I can see yeah. that scenario playing out that you're talking about. Yep, we've seen it a bunch of times. But with with Iowa's defense, with their coaching, it would be short lived. I think if it happens. I would think, I mean, Phil Parker has shown an ability to adjust, you know, first, second quarter a lot. So I think we would see that here. A um, couple other stats to throw out there. These are a couple just fun ones I found. So obviously we've seen the how much different it is with the uh, uh, two offenses when you compare them to statistically Nebraska's is much better. Defenses are a little bit closer, but Nebraska's defense has dropped off yeah. a little bit. Um, Iowa's 12th in total defense. Nebraska's at 56 now. So you get past 40, you're starting to get into the more average type of defense. Yep. Jojo Doman being that's out, that, they had guys injured last a, week. That that's were, a big one too. And, and I'm not, I've, I've asked a couple different Nebraska fans. It's murky as far as uh, uh, Damian Daniels went out of the game last week. If he He's going to come oh. back. We don't know that. Um, so defenses a little, you know, they're obviously a little bit of an advantage. And I, I, I got to do it. I got to share the stat just because I find it so interesting. So the turnover margin is it, it just enormously in Iowa's favor obviously, yeah. as well. And that's a huge stat that people are like, oh, yeah, turnover margin. It's huge stat. Now, special teams, okay? It's about what you'd expect. I was fifth in the country, so I went to football outsiders for these stats. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was fifth in the country for all of these encompassing stats that they bring together to rank them. Okay. Nebraska is 127th. So that's as about as big a contrast as you can have between in, two teams. In special teams, you said? Special teams. Yeah, okay, okay, that's not surprising. And then here's the stat that I found. I really got nerdy on Monday night before my uh, podcast with the CuzCast. Um, a stat that I found most interesting because I had been thinking about it which is it's available yards per possession, which essentially mm-hmm. means when your offense takes the uh, ball over, how many yards do you have to go to get to the end zone? Iowa has the lowest number in the entire country for available yards, which is a good thing. Sure. That means you're starting 
closer to midfield than back towards your end zone. The next two teams that are the closest to Iowa, Georgia and Cincinnati. That's something. There's something there. I just thought I, I don't There's found something. it interesting, thought I'd share. There's something about having good special teams and good defense at the same time. Yes, it might play into might be how a thing. many games you win. Um, now, the last one here, too. The Hawks are 23-2 and two, straight up as a road favorite since 2013. I mean, that's just amazing. Straight up, 23-2 and two as a road favorite. So, something there, too. Maybe that line switching back forth was was insane. So, all right, man. All right, so you're in sales. <laughs> I'm both in sales. Let me tell you why I <laughs> suck as an outsider. I'm in like, sales. Yeah. Don't you feel like you go to these sales training seminars and stuff, and they make it way too difficult, right? They All complicate the it. Yep. It's not really that hard. It's a pretty simple thing. Have a relationship, know the your product, know the customers or the the competitors. Yeah. It's, it's it doesn't go really deep. This stuff is easy here. Okay. What happens? Iowa beats Nebraska. It's what they do. Yeah. Nebraska loses to Iowa. That's okay. what they do. Okay. I know they usually play them tight. I just see with Doman out and with a, two AM out, I don't see this game being that tight. This okay. is easy. Okay. Iowa twenty seven, Nebraska seventeen. Iowa covers at forty four. That's an over. Wow. And guess what? Whoa. I'm I'm going right out of the gate, baby. Wow. Iowa covering is my Amador double barrel lock of the week, baby. Wow. There this you go. is my surprise face. I that's not where I thought you would go here. None of this is hard. Okay. <laughs> well, interesting. I hope it's as simple as you're making it out to be. Um here's the deal. Um whenever I get to this game, this is the thought that I wind up having. Okay. Um Iowa has not lost to Iowa State, yeah. Minnesota, <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> And Nebraska since before I had children. It's been that I, I have I have got married, remodeled four dwellings, and had two humans since the last time Iowa's lost any of these games. So it, and I feel it with every game, but it builds as the year goes on. And by the time you get to the Nebraska game, you're like, Can I do it? Can I get into the offseason sure. again? Right. With going four and oh, with most of those being trophy games, you know. And then you think, is this going to be the one? You know, is this going to be the one? Because mm. we 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 either go get the Christmas tree, and then watch the game, or or watch the game and then go get the Christmas tree later that day or the next day. Is this going to be the time where I'm grumpy, cutting down the 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 the, okay. the Greek family Christmas tree? Mm-hmm. But I just got to see it. I, I I've got to see it. it I mean, Iowa has done well in Lincoln. I felt pretty good. With before Adrian Martinez went out, I felt better after. Didn't feel good to hear that there is a big old flu bug that has been going through the Iowa football team that started at the end of last week and has really hurt them now. Um, I don't believe either quarterback has been able to take reps mm. so far this week. That makes me nervous, but I think we pump them full of IVs. We play the game that we typically see, which is Nebraska getting off to a fast start. Iowa figuring it out, getting the lead at some point. And I've got Iowa winning 22 to 21. Mm. So that's a Nebraska yeah. cover. It's going to be tight. <laughs> and at 43 points, that's actually over the, the total. Yeah. All right, next game up. This is one we're looking forward to, too. This is when we've moved into Saturday. Excuse me, moved into Saturday. The 5-6 and six Maryland Terrapins going into Piscataway to take on the 
five and six Rutgers Scarlet Knights. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on Big Ten Network. Terps by one and a half over under 53. So Vegas is saying something like a 28 to 27 uh, victory. 62% of the money is on Maryland. So, hmm. and this isn't a trophy. I was wondering if we could just call it the FNG trophy. What's the FN? What's that stand for? FNG. FN new guy. Oh, the- whenever somebody joins either your football team or your company, it's the F and new guy. So, okay. I don't know. The F and it's something. Trophy. We got to call it something. Okay. So both teams are kind of on the downside on the, the season, but they're kind of on the upswing in general as, as, uh, as programs, you know, they're both East coast. I am so intrigued by this. Game. I am too. I mean, I almost want it to be on the big screen. It's going to be on my small screen. It will not be on the big, but I am so intrigued by this game. Like, yeah, I don't think you have to be a Big Ten sicko to appreciate this game. It's... Both five and six, both playing for a bowl. I mean, imagine what a bowl would do for either of these either. programs. Yeah. How much would propel and, them into the offseason. And then another thing, it's like, so those are the um, uh, things that are make them similar. But, but what's completely dissimilar is just the style of the coach and how they go about things. Yes. Maryland's got all the talent in the world, but... Kind of struggles with development, and whereas Greg Schiano still building the roster, but boy, does he know how to keep a team together and keep them focused. Meanwhile, you got strength on strength when when essentially the the Maryland offense is playing the Rutgers defense, weakness on weakness when they're on the other side of the ball. So that kind of, I guess, kind of evens things out a little bit. Yeah. But here, what I keep coming back to is, well, okay, so I, you know, I said this stuff is easy. This is not difficult, right? Well, this one's a little difficult. This one's tough. Because I kept coming back to, well, what's going to be the deciding factor? Rutgers is at home. I like the Rutgers coaching staff better. So it's, it's easy. I'm just going to take Rutgers. But then I was like, well, there's kind of that Hoosier line with the with the Maryland. you got a double Hoosier line going here. Yeah. With Maryland's defense and Rutgers' offense, and yeah. that's the two matching up. I have no idea. I mean, we've said many times when Maryland plays a bad team, they just boat race them. Right. When they play a, a mediocre to good team, they get boat. They raised. get boat raced. Right, I would I, say so, a good team. They get boat. Okay, raised. good team. So where does I would say Rutgers is not? It's not a terrible team, but it's not a good team. But it just adds more to the intrigue and confusion on what this game is going to look like. Yeah. I mean, so, I, I feel like I know this is if Rutgers is going to win this game, it's going to be a low scoring game that they yes. kind of. It feels like a Rutgers game is the best way I can put it. Right. They're going so, to have to force turnovers. Like, they have been thriving off of turnovers. They need short fields to go in it. They have to be clean with the, the, the ball. That's the type of game that Chiano and his staff are trying to cook up right now, I guarantee For it. sure. But here's where I boiled it down, and I realized, wait, this is easy. Taulia Tungavailoa. I know he's been struggling a little bit here and there. I think he's going to have a day. Yeah. I think he's going to pass all over the Rutgers defense, and I think that's the difference here. So I've got Maryland winning handily. Maryland 33, Rutgers 17. Okay. Easy Maryland cover at 50. That's an under. All right. That game, that type of score was in my head at one point because what I'm most nervous about if I am a Rutgers fan is Maryland even getting out to a 14-3 to lead, and I'm not feeling confident no. that they can get up. So, so Rutgers – has got to prevent that from happening. And I think they do. I trust Rutgers at home. I think Shiano is going to pull this out. He's going to put everything he can into this game. Mm-hmm. They force a couple turnovers, which Tulia, love is competitive. Yep. He he does do that. And I think ultimately that's going to submarine 
the Maryland chance to get to the bowl game. I've got Rutgers 23, Maryland 20, and at 43 points, that's 10 points over the over-under. So you would think I would make that my Amador double-barrel lock of the week, but this is my prediction if it's a Rutgers game. 10 points under. 10 points under. What did I say, over? You said over. My bad. But I'm not making that my Amador double-barrel of the week. Why? Because if that's not the the game script that happens, the one that will happen is the one that you just said, and I think it goes over. All right, next game up. Yeah, this is a pretty good one, too, I would say. 7-4 and four, Penn State going on the road to take on the 9-2, and two, number 12-ranked Michigan State Spartans. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on ABC. Line Nittany Lions by one, over under 51.5. So Vegas is saying about a 27-26 to 26 type of game, something like that. Uh, uh, 58% of the bets are on Penn State. This is the Land Grant Trophy. I'm just curious. You know, we, we've been having so much fun with Michigan State, and I've been wondering when the shoe was going to fall, where the shoe fell in the shoe, right? Uh, my, my line here is they took a shat in the shoe. Yeah, they, last, the shat in the shoe. That's what they're going to go back and call that 20 years from now. And I'm just wondering, are they kind of broken, you know, offensively? I'm thinking more offensively. Are they broken? L- literally what I have really? right here in my notes. I mean, has, I'm, like, I'm, is the fun over? Is the party – is everyone dispersing from well, the party? Well, and I tell you what is <laughs> – it does feel like the party is dispersing. Yeah. Like there's a couple of hanger ons, but um, uh, good comparison. Um, a, a reason behind that, I believe that you can't just, just ignore is there's been a lot of injuries in that secondary and just on the defense in general. Like I well, think that, I mean, Mel Tucker, if he gets the, the uh, contract, he deserves it in my opinion for what he has pasted and, and paper mache together from the transfer portal and, you know, thrusting guys up into roles for playing and whatnot. But I think when you start getting injuries there, it starts to really make that when you, you don't have the four or five years of depth and knowledge of your players for what they can do. And I think that's what we've, we've seen the last couple of weeks really on both sides of the ball, yeah. but even more so on defense. Yeah. But, but here I do believe Michigan state has a lot more to play for. They're playing for a bigger bowl. They're playing for second in the East. If uh, Michigan loses, Michigan loses, then they they have the same record as Michigan. They beat them head to head. They're in second place to Ohio State. That's something. I would say the bigger bowl is the biggest thing that they're looking at right here. Um, the, I mean, there. I think there's enough for for both teams to play for. But I the intangible what you're trying to accomplish, no doubt. I think relies on Michigan State. Um, rocket science take here, but. Michigan State's got to get Kenny going. It's got to get back to well, and they got to get big plays. Bingo, because Penn State, which is which, those two things are simpatico, right? But Penn State does so well in the red zone on defense that that you know that's where they're going to stall. They get there, they're going to stall. Huge plays that they've been having all year that have kind of petered off. They need to get that back. Because we saw what the Ohio State offense does. The Ohio State offense might be able to do that versus some NFL teams. I don't know. Like, it's it's that good. What is most, like, would, would, would I don't know if scared is the right word, but what would concern me the most as a Michigan State fan is, was that Ohio State defense just that geared up to prove people wrong? Or was there something of somewhat of a blueprint that right. was put on yep. on that on shutting down that Michigan State offense. I like Peyton Thorne. I did a, a poll this week of, you know, who's the second best quarterback. Yep. I thought Peyton Thorne should have gotten more votes. I voted that. for Peyton Thorne. I you actually, did? I actually okay, did. interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I do believe, because again, like he, he did everything he could last week. 
But with that being said, I don't want this game in Peyton Thorne's hands with that Penn State secondary if they can't get the rushing attack going. And then switching over to Penn State, um, I mean, I know it was just Rutgers last week, but they needed the good feels to come back. And that defense, which has been good all year, by the way, I, I don't know. I just feel like there was some confidence that has been pulled out of that of last week for Penn State. Yeah, and so the biggest question I have with Penn State is how healthy is Clifford? He's going to start, by the way. Sean Clifford will yep. be starting this game. That's what we think. So I'm assuming he's okay. Hopefully he's not I too. I think he's fine. I if, think it's been the illness. Yeah, if he's if he's feeling healthy, then again I can go back to this isn't that hard. I don't think. Okay. Because I don't know. Okay. It's Penn State and it's Michigan State. Michigan State had a great year, but. They're okay. kind of the up and comers. So this I think is what we're getting to the same. Yeah. Right. So for me, and by the way, series tied at seventeen no right kidding. now. Series is tied at seventeen. So this isn't really easy, but I'm going to boil it down to easy. It's Penn State and it's Michigan State. I just trust Penn State as a program more. Okay. So I'm going Penn State twenty-seven, Michigan State twenty-four at fifty-one. That is an under, and that's a Penn State cover. That fifty-one. That is a half point under. Oh my gosh, fifty one point five. So it interesting. Okay, yeah. So you didn't even know that really when you made. I didn't know it moved. No, yeah. yeah. yeah, Was Um, okay. Yeah, we're pretty close to being on the same page. I think Clifford's back. I think Jahan Dotson. I want to give a shout out to Jahan Dotson because a lot of people in Jahan Dotson's situation they might not play in this game. They, You know, they might not play in the bowl, and we don't know about his status for the bowl yet, but he is an obvious first-round draft pick at wide receiver. So anytime I see somebody finishing out the season with his teammates when a guy is that uh, high, highly ranked for the draft, I just want to give a you know tip of the hat to. But there's just more that I trust here for Penn State. Yeah. The defense we talked about, um, the, the, the rushing attack is not there. I it it is Penn State gave up a lot of rushing yards versus Illinois. Okay, like I haven't completely forgotten about that game. I don't know what happened that day, but I don't I don't, I don't see I don't see them giving up th- that many rushing yards. I think they'll do overall pretty good okay. against uh, uh, Kenny. So in the end, I've got Penn State thirty one, Michigan State twenty seven. So mm. we got a darn good game, and at fifty eight points, I'm quite a bit over the game total. Gotcha. The Eyes on Big Podcast is proudly sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip neat or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California, and as always, hashtag ask for Amador. Next game up, another big one. The three and eight Northwestern Wildcats coming in to uh, Champaign to take on the four and seven Illinois Fighting Illini. This is a two thirty p.m. game on Big Ten Network. Line Illinois by six and a hook over under forty three point five. So Vegas is saying another Northwestern type of score twenty five to eighteen Illinois. Seventy two percent of the bets are on the Illini. This is Mm. the LOL Trophy. Northwestern uh, lost to Purdue last week in Wrigley. Now they go 200 miles down Interstate 57 to Champaign. How are you feeling, Big Kurt? Do you know why they call it the LOL Trophy, right? Land of Lincoln. No, it's LOL because you're laughing out loud at how stupid it is. But is is it a hat? It's a hat. It's Lincoln's stovepipe hat. I mean, it's it's maybe the dumbest trophy out there. Like, maybe it would be cool if they could somehow, like, take turns putting it on their head so that it had more of a, 
I mean, if it's land of Lincoln, just what about a bust of Lincoln? Could have done that. Or just a little mini statue of Lincoln. But then you think about it, and you're like, yeah, but a hat's cool, so let's do the stovepipe. Mm. Anyways. I don't know. Yeah. By the way, Can't is it equally laughed at by both fan bases? I'm not sure that Northwestern even knows it exists. <laughs> <laughs> but as, as right. far as I know, every Illini fan laughs at it. Yeah, all right. I mean, of course, it took the place of the sweet Sue Tomahawk. But um, so, <clears throat> all right. You said it's a pretty big game, huh? I think so. I mean, the, the, Illinois is fighting to. They, they're, they're, I well, think they can go to a bowl at five and seven. They can technically. So Jeremy Warner from Illini Inquired uh, wrote a really good article about this this week, and there there's a lot of moving parts. There would be a lot of things that would have to happen in order for them to actually make it at five and seven. But technically, yes, they are still alive for a bowl. And I guarantee you that. Beetle and his staff are dangling that bull carrot in front of the team. But, but you I know mean, what, and you know what Fitz is dangling in front of his team. This is Illinois. And what we do what do we do to Illinois? We beat them. That's what and, we do. And this is their bowl game. I mean, it is their bowl game. But I I mean the intangibles to me are more on the side of Illinois. There's there's more to fight for there. This is for for Beetle and his staff, um, especially with him being out last week. You know, yeah. he's back now being able to start his tenure in Illinois one and oh versus versus oh. Northwestern. But honestly, it's more important to be one and oh versus Fitzgerald. If that makes sense. I mean, it's like when Bo beat Woody in 69, <laughs> it's essentially the same thing. You really can't tell the difference. <laughs> um, so we'll actually start with Northwestern real quick. I just, I don't know what I'm supposed to feel good about outside oh. of Evan Hall. N- nothing. Okay. Defensively. Not much really. They they don't they're not good at stopping the run. They're not good at stopping the pass. I mean, they they they're okay at stopping the no, pass. No, but the but, thing is, people haven't had to pass on and then, them. And then but then when they Purdue ta- did, but when they yeah, when other you get, teams too, right? Okay. But Illinois, so they're not going to give up a ton of passing yards to Illinois, though. I mean, it's just not what no, Illinois does. No. Illinois is going to run the ball. That's what they're going to try to do. And can they stop the run? They haven't been able to do that this right, year. Right. Right. So matchups, I I'm with you. I'm all on board with Illinois. If you just look, if you take away the names, but I I can't. I mean, I, I, I am more readily available to take away the names than you are, which I totally get. You have more emotion wrapped around this thing. But, you know, switching over to Illinois. So tough loss to Iowa on the road last week. But they're going to get up for this game. I hope, speaking of getting up, I hope Illinois fans get up out of bed and get over to the stadium to have a crowd there for this game. That'd be nice. I don't know if Beatles done it this week, but I hope he's been campaigning on local radio shows to, to get there. But in the end, I mean, there is – I mean, this is – breaking this down as simple as possible like this isn't a deep cut but i just believe it also to be true run your awesome rushing attack versus this northwestern defense that's not very good and gear up to stop evan hole for northwestern if you can have pretty good success at both of those things it's a win for illinois and since you talk about defense i'm gonna bring up a couple names i've been talking about kirby joseph all year did you know that he's tied for number one in the nation for interceptions He's tied for second for fumble recoveries. And did you know he's the number one graded defensive back by pro football focus? Wow. In the country. Really? I mean, th- those are some iffy numbers. Yeah, like, they don't I always translate. PFF's always weird but, to me. But, but that's still something that you can't ignore. That's yeah. amazing. And you, and you know, another guy you couldn't ignore last week? Owen Carney, man. I, oh, no, it was Isaiah Gay. Isaiah Gay. You think Isaiah Gay had. But Owen Carney's there, too. But Isaiah Gay was. Five impressive. and a half tackles for loss Dude, last week. And I didn't amazing. mention him. I'm Sorry glad you mentioned that. him. Thanks yeah. for doing that. But again, this stuff is not hard. Illinois hasn't won since 2014. Okay. This is easy. Northwestern 19, Illinois 16, that's Northwestern cover. At 35, that's an under. Wait, 
Say it again. Northwestern 19, 19. Illinois 16. So nice, ugly Northwestern yep. score. Total at 35 is an under. Okay. I understand your bet. By the way, you tried to do the reverse Costanza last week to beat Iowa because it didn't work. Did, are you, you're now going back Correct. to what regular I mean, because Costanza went back to doing the usual. He did, eventually. Yeah. So yeah. had Illinois beat Iowa last week, would you stay on the reverse Costanza and pick Illinois this week? Let me tell you a little story, Jeff. <laughs> Make it a quick one. I, okay. I sat down to watch Illinois play Marquette the other night. They look basketball. They look like garbage. They mm-hmm, lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, then I sat. I turned on the Cincinnati game when they were up twenty-four to eight. The, it, instantly, Cincinnati went on a run and ran away with the game. The previous two games to those I watched, uh, Loyola from last year, yeah. and um, gosh, I'm missing one. Yeah. So anyway, you're not, not going to watch. So I've decided. Rest of the year, I'm done. Yeah. I'm out. So, so would I have? Would I have stuck with it? Yes. So that's more of a Kramer. I'm out. Right. So would I have stuck with it? Yes. But I'm not sticking with it. I understand. Because I know better. Okay. I, I don't a, know I'm better. A, I'm not lying. I, I'm usher. I don't know better. I have no choice but to look at this as we have continually thought that Northwestern was going to jump up and be the Fitzgerald Northwestern. But it, it has not happened. I haven't seen it. I know it didn't happen two years ago either, and yet they beat Illinois at the end of the year, but it's a different – that was lovey. I mean, you have to – the lovey to Beatle principle has to be – like this is a better coached and prepared team under under Beatle. So I've got Illinois 24, Northwestern 16. Okay. So at a total of 40, that's three and a half points under the total. Mm-hmm. Like it? Good luck with that. Okay. All right, three games left. Next game up, the two and nine Indiana Hoosiers coming into Purdue to take on the seven and four Boilermakers. This is a two thirty p.m. game on FS1. Line Boilers by fifteen over under fifty. So Vegas is saying something like a thirty three to seventeen win by the Boilermakers. Eighty four percent of the bet are on the Boilermakers. Thought it would actually be higher. This is of course for the old Oaken bucket. And what did you say the total was? Uh, fifty. 50, still 50. Okay, so yep. we had mentioned last cast, when's the last time Purdue won eight games? So I went back and checked, okay? Technically, it was 2006. Okay. Uh, they were eight and six, so that's 14 games. How did they play 14 games? They lost their bowl game, so they're eight and five in the regular season. Why did they play 13? Uh, actually, so Greg, our buddy Greg McManus, I was asking him, he's like, yeah, I remember some weird thing happening that year. It was some weird scheduling. I guess they must have got a waiver. Because it was the first year that the 12 games became official, okay? Yeah. But they had already had this other game scheduled for some reason. So they wound up getting to play an extra game. They they had no idle weeks that year. They played every week. And the last week of the season, the previous week they had played Indiana, last week they went out and played Hawaii. It was like this quasi-bowl game, essentially. So they were eight. And then they went to a bowl game. And then they went to a bowl game. So they they did win eight, (laughs) but it was in 13 games. So does that really count? So in in a 12-week season, the last time they won eight games was 2003. They went nine and three in the regular season, lost to Georgia in the bowl game. Okay. So it's been a while. It's been a tick. And I I had to dig deep. And and Greg even asked Tom Deanhart and uh, uh, Kyle Charters, I believe, is the other guy for Golden Black. Um, And they they couldn't remember. The details were a little murky to them, too. (laughs) 
That's, a, that's hilarious. I know. Like I, as you were talking about that, like it kind of started to ring a bell. But man, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have picked that out in a million years. Yeah, and and not to ramble on too. But uh, remember, there was a couple years, like 2003. There was like a 12 game season. It was always 11. Then suddenly it was 12, and then went back to 11. In 2006, I guess was the year it officially okay. became 12. So. When this game finished eight and four, when the bowl game finished nine and oh my four, goodness. Th- th- I mean, there is a lot out there for Purdue. Um, last week, they beat Northwestern soundly. And I mean, if you go back and look over these last six, seven weeks for Purdue, dude, they've been looking good ever since that Iowa game. It hasn't just been the Iowa game. No. Yes, right. they got beat by zombie Wisconsin. Okay. Right. Sure. I, good luck trying to beat them right now. And, and Ohio State, hot Ohio State. Right. That's their two losses. And even against Ohio State, they put up a bunch of points. Wisconsin and Ohio State and Michigan deserve all the credit in the world for being the hottest teams in the Big Ten. Purdue is right underneath them, specifically for hottest teams okay. in the Big Ten. Is I, that fair? I That's very fair. And I'll, I'll give you a little more incentive for Purdue. David Bell and George Karlaftis' last IU game, their last game probably at Ross Aid Stadium. We have to expect so. both of them, yeah. right? And then is it maybe their last game, period? Will they play in the, in bowl, the bowl game? game? Who knows? I mean, I think they Proud probably that they're bowl- playing in the Oak and Bucket game. You would understand more if they didn't play in the bowl game. I hope sure. they do. I mean, I want them to just to watch them perform one more time. But either way, and I think this is what you're getting at, even more motivation for those two to put a performance together on Saturday. And I tell you where there's not motivation all throughout the Indiana program. I just I don't have anything really nice to say about the Indiana program right, right now. I'm read, sorry. Read my read my quotes that I have right here. Things are bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that- I mean, that's I literally can't. I was trying to think of things. What the only thing I can come up with here is. People don't understand. Now, I grew up in Indiana. People don't understand how much these two schools absolutely hate one another. They do. So it is, you know, weird things happen in rivalry games. That's the only scenario I can see where this is even close. I don't see it playing out that way. When I went through my head on why I thought this would be a good game, that is the only thing I came up with. The only thing I came up with. There's only two things. That or just, and and, and I'm not really using this because you could use this in literally any game. A plethora of turnovers by Purdue. Yeah. You know, sloppiness, like uh, loose bo- or fumbles, freaking, you know, tip ball interceptions. Like that is what Indiana would have to do. But even then, I'm counting on Indiana's defense to be putting forth an effort to make that work. And then the Indiana offense to put it in the barn once they get possession of the ball off a turnover. I don't even know how much confidence I have in that. No, I don't. I just have. Confidence in nothing, to be honest with right. you. So I'm going Purdue 41, Indiana 10, easy Purdue cover there at 51. That's a one point over. Wow, we're pretty close. Um, I've got Purdue 38, Indiana 13. That's 51 points as well, so one point over. We have just a little bit different. And as far as the Purdue covering the 15 points, that is my Amador double barrel lock. Of the week. That was my second one. Was that really? was my backup. Okay. Yep. I was deciding between that and the Iowa game. Next game up, old baby. It's a good one. Eight and three. Number 14 ranked Wisconsin Badgers coming in to Minnesota to take on the seven and four rank seven and four Minnesota Golden Gophers. This is our latest game of the day at three o'clock PM on Big Ten Network line. Badgers by seven 
over under 39. So Vegas is saying something like a 24 to 17, 23 to 17 Badgers win. 88% of the bets are on the Badgers. This is, of course, for maybe the second best trophy in all of Big Ten, if not the country, the Axe. Yeah, it's up there. Listen, um, I'm always going to put the pig number one. Definitely. Floyd, but it's a pretty cool thing. I mean, you got to we got to grab the axe. I held it. Yeah. Yeah. It was so surprising. You don't think. I didn't think they'd let us do that. Well, I didn't think they'd let us do it. So thank you to the Minnesota program for that. And we got to take a picture with it. But you grab it and it's super light because it's all wood. Like yeah. even the head of it's wood. You don't. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You don't want to chop, literally kill somebody. But just couldn't it, believe how, how light it also, was. Also, longest running uh, rivalry played in all of college football. Correct. If you don't like this game. Maybe you need to look yourself in the mirror <laughs> as far as what type of college football fan you are, especially if you're a Big Ten fan. Okay, so two really good defenses playing here. Minnesota has to run the ball well, right? Gosh, how I it's going to be it's just hard for me to envision that. But Wisconsin's been starting to give up a little bit of yardage on the ground, but like week by yeah. week, a little bit more. So can they break through and not get a hundred yards, but maybe 150 yards, maybe closer to 200? I don't know. I don't know how confident I am that happening, but I could I could see it in the 100 to 150 range. Is that enough for them to win the game? So you're okay. Basically, what you're saying is how how many yards Minnesota has to get in the game in order to win the game okay. or be in the position to win the game. So let's do it. We never follow up on who wins these, but what would you put? Sometimes the over? we do. Sometimes we do. I mean, I'd put it right around somewhere around 100. Okay. Because Minnesota average, so I think Wisconsin is. Pro, I mean, they they gave up 100 yards last week. I would guess right. they're around 60 yards they've given up on the year on the ground on average. So let's put it at like 105. 105, because Minnesota's up around 200. And they're gonna try. They're gonna try to run the ball. There's yes. no doubt. Yes. Even when they're not having success, they're gonna keep doing it. Again, sometimes breaking down these games, like it's it just is what it is. You know, like you could have two offensive and defensive minds like that recently coached football look after the all 22 film and pour hours over it and i just think they would wind up coming to the same conclusion yeah. that me and you and a lot of other slap decks that are watching this game would come up with which is who is going to be able to run the ball better now braylon allen on the other side um, he has been running the ball down everybody's throat in the past seven games. Right. Minnesota's rush defense has been very, really good absolutely. all year long. It's gotten a little bit leakier over the last couple weeks. I didn't check this week, but I know previous week they were still second in the conference at, at rush yards given up per game. Right, So, it, but their, their rush defense – is a step down. It's closer to the Iowa rush defense. Yes, I would. No, I would. This, it's not the Wisconsin defense. No. So then you might say, but look at the yards that Nebraska was able to put on the board and 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 on the stat sheet last week versus Wisconsin. But this is like, this isn't this isn't the same comparison type of offense. This is completely uh-uh. different. I mean, a lot of what Nebraska did was you know moving the pocket around, moving stuff, guys back around the other side. That's not. <laughs> what Minnesota's game is, what Minnesota's game is, is to run it right down at you. And the most intriguing thing to me that I can't figure out is, could this be this big, beefy, you would think jacked up offensive line for Minnesota? I mean, this is the last time a lot of these guys are going to be playing together at, well, at that versus Wisconsin, the regular season yeah. in, 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 in uh, the bank. So 
you're hoping they're charged up and ready to go. Can they lean on that Wisconsin front seven? That's a 3-4, okay? Yeah, yeah. Typically, the elixir to attacking a 3-4 is this type of running style. So if it's advantage Minnesota, it's basically going to be into the third quarter, and you're like, holy bleep, the Minnesota rushing attack is actually making this work. But the part that I feel like swings back to Wisconsin is that a lot of what Minnesota gets for for available yards on the on the ground is back out the back end where the play is kind of designed to the left. Mm-hmm. The running back pulls yeah. it back oh, yeah. to the right. I mean, uh, Bucko, who I think will definitely be called Bucko this week, and Kai Thomas have doing have been doing a great job of doing that. But against this Wisconsin three four defense, where there's seemingly 12 linebackers <laughs> right. out there. It just doesn't seem like that cutback is going to be available in this game like it has been for Minnesota. And then for the passing game, I, I'm i swinging back to, I guess, having a little more confidence in Graham Mertz than I do in Tanner Morgan right now. And if you listen to Minnesota fans, they sound a lot like Iowa fans in that each year your thought process is gear up towards crushing the doing whatever you can to to limit the Wisconsin rushing attack and what does Wisconsin do they do the play action and actually yeah. hit big plays in the past they game. just were doing they were just doing that last week right and they've done it versus Minnesota in the past so that's something that makes them makes Minnesota fans cringe and then I mean I think if you are going to put points on the board versus this Wisconsin defense Again, not the same offense, I understand, but didn't Nebraska show some stuff last week? They by, did. By saying, screw it, we're going to attack parts of that zone defense, throw it over top of that zone defense at times. You've got a six-year quarterback who apparently might be coming back right. for a seventh year in Tanner Morgan. Crab, there's a couple other good, talented receivers. Yeah, but- to me, if they're going to put points on this on the board – I, it, it's going to have to happen in the passing a game, passing attack, and we just haven't seen it no. versus fr, from Peach this year. So there you go. That's it. This is not hard. This is easy stuff. Wh- who's been dominating this series? It's been Wisconsin. So I got Wisconsin twenty four, Minnesota seventeen. That's barely by half a point a Wisconsin cover. It's still at six and a half, right? Well, actually, you got to make a decision right oh, now. Oh, did it, it move line to seven? So you're that's uh. Okay, I'm still. I'm gonna go. So I will adjust it to. Let's go twenty six to seventeen. Twenty six to seventeen. Wisconsin wins, covers the the spread, and at forty one, that's an over. That's an or, over. I'm sorry, no, it'd be forty three now. Forty three. So that's quite an over. over. Yeah. Okay. Um, if if Minnesota is going to win this game, it's got to be high scoring. Believe it or not, that's how I I view it. I don't view this being a high scoring game. Uh, I will be rooting hard. For the Gophers, as hard as probably I've ever rooted in my life, but I don't. I don't think Iowa and Minnesota fans team together is the two fan bases you want to knock off Wisconsin because unfortunately they have not had much success yes, against yes. them. So I don't think we're going to be able to provide any bit of help. And in fact, I think it's going to be somewhat similar to 2019. Last year, you can't really use that game. No. Before that, Peach didn't really have things up and going. But this was a hot Minnesota team two years ago playing against a Wisconsin team. When these two teams got together, crazy snow game and everything, uh, Minnesota hit that first big play right at the beginning of the game. The roof went out the top of the stadium, and then what happened after that? It was just Wisconsin domination. And this is an even better Wisconsin defense than that that team was uh, uh, two years ago. So I've got Wisconsin 30, 
Minnesota 17. So at 47, I've got that quite a bit over the game total. And that was another one that I thought about for making my Amador okay. double barrel lock of the week. Next game up, pretty obvious this week. The Big Ten game of the week. It ain't Alabama-Auburn. It ain't Bedlam. It ain't the Apple Cup. It ain't the Civil War. I'm still going to call it the Civil War. Easily the biggest game in college football this weekend is the game. 10-1. and one, Number two ranked Ohio State going into the big house to take on 10-1. and one, mm. Number five ranked Michigan. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game where it should be. I love it yeah. at this time. This is, of course, the big noon game on Fox line. Ohio State by eight over under 64.5. Vegas is saying something like a 35 to 28 Buckeyes win. 80% of the bets are on the Buckeyes. We got a big one here, baby. 2004. Ohio State, Michigan, both eleven and zero. Two thousand six. Two thousand six. Two thousand six. Both eleven and zero. Yep. That's that was one versus two. This is two versus three. This is the biggest game. Two, two versus five. I'm sorry, two versus five. This is the biggest game in the series since then. Since then. Yeah. Right. And it's the, it's the, probably the best. I don't know. I know they've beaten them since then, but like this is the what this is the best I've felt about Michigan in this okay, game. There you go for a number of years. And I'll just say a number of years. Number of years. Um, now here's the thing: there's a little bit of recency bias with the Harbaugh versus Ohio State thing. When Harbaugh first got there, there was close games versus Ohio State. Then the kind of basically this is what happened recently to give everybody the feeling that Ohio State has just been boat racing Michigan. Yeah. Now, want to make sure I make this clear. Ohio State has won an amazing, like a, in, as far as calling this a rivalry and what it means to the series, I don't know what it is. 15 of the last 16? Is, am I pretty Something close like that. I, with that? Yeah, I don't I know. I mean, they have dominated in the win-loss column, so I'm not yep. debating that. What I'm seeing is people that expect this to be a 4-5 touchdown win versus Ohio State – I think they're kind of thinking about more recent games and who are the two people that were in chiefly involved with that Ryan day calling the plays who we still have, but dummy Don Brown calling yep. the defenses and leaving his D backs on, on man routes with crossers all day long, <laughs> dude, I'm serious. Don Brown, not being a part of this game is one of the biggest developments in this series to make this a game, or do you think I'm I'm overstating no, that's, that? No, that's right. And by the way, they have won one time. They won in 2011. Prior, so from 2004 on, they've won one time. Yeah, so that's pretty close. You were pretty damn. You're right guess. in there. Um, no, but that that and is then, by a, the way did not play last year, which is a travesty to all oh, of college football. Gosh, that is a travesty. Yeah. But yeah, Don Brown is the biggest factor in those blowouts, no doubt. And their defense has been great this year. So should we really even be worried that that's going to happen again? A blowout. A blowout. So when I saw the line, I I, I kind of oops, crap my pants type of deal. <laughs> like I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be at least 13 and a half. That was okay. my thought process. Okay. Okay. So when it came out seven, seven and a half is, you know, right around eight, what you've seen, I've seen it kind of dance a little bit this week. It made me pay attention, and I typically start looking into teams Monday night, Tuesday night, you know, and then do my deep dive then before we record Wednesday, right? But this is such a big game. I already had Michigan fans, Ohio State fans, couple of Michigan State and Penn State fans 
already in my DMs wanting to talk some football. Like, that's how big this game is. And what I was shocked to hear from people that I respect from their point of view is, hey, take a look at Michigan here. I think this is the type of team that can hang with Ohio State. And the deeper I got into it, the more I was already intrigued the game, don't get me wrong, the more intrigued I right. got with this game. There's just so much at stake for both of these teams. I'm playing for the division, playing to go to Indy. And by the way, this is the argument why you have divisions in conferences. It is. Because these are the two best Thank teams. You. If you you could have literally a rematch the next week it's of the disgusting. same and it's I would ha- that would be awful like it could, okay. we could have two bedlams back to back. Let's say we could. You're right. Let's well, say, one bedlam and then one Big 12 championship, but it's disgusting. Right. But let's say Michigan wins this game. They finally do it. They finally pull out the victory. Oh, you got to do it again. Think about that. All, all you all you Michigan fans that have been complaining about that, consider that. Yeah. Consider complaining about the divisions. Is I, I don't understand why people. Now, anyway, that's send, off topic. Send another topic off season. We really got to write that one down. Maybe send Penn State to the West and one of the team back to the East. Okay. That's one way to do it. But Michigan, Michigan state and Ohio state have got to be in the same division. No doubt. They, they, you just can't replay those games. No. Okay. Um, uh, okay. Obviously every game comes down to whose quarterback plays well or plays better is, is what I should say. And the turnovers, right? I mean, if, if well, like I, I don't say, know what the record is, but if you win the turnover battle and your quarterback's better in the game, you probably got a 99% chance to win the game. Okay. So, none of this is difficult. This is easy. Okay. So put that, put that aside. Okay. For a second. All right. One of the things I'm looking for the most is that Michigan defensive line. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Aiden Hutchinson, David Ojabo. I don't think there's any question. They're the two best tandem defensive ends in the Big Ten. Well, and they're the or, two. Or pass rushers is what I should say. I believe they're one and two in sacks. Correct. Yeah. And I think the best in the country. That Probably. going against the Ohio State offense, that's a yo right okay, there but to the pay off- attention to. But the Ohio State offensive line is pretty damn good, too. Understand. No, no doubt about that. The point I'm trying to get to is, okay, is if Ohio State and their offense has just gone straight, nuclear, zombie, video game, whatever you want to say. Maybe everything I am saying next or right now is is just, it's a moot point, okay? But when this team has looked, the, the Ohio State offense has struggled a little bit was versus Mich- Nebraska and Penn State, yep, okay? Right. Penn State also has some pretty good pass rushers. Look yeah. up Ibakiti's stats versus the aforementioned Ohio State offensive line. He ate some lunch okay. that day, okay. okay? And that was one guy on his own. And the reason I think that is so huge is because, I mean, you either have to do crazy tricky shit with Ohio State's offense, which is what Northwestern did in the Big 12 championship, dropping eight, dropping nine, whatever it takes, down, you know, daring them to rush the ball. Or can you drop seven, just a nice normal seven, and get pressure with your front four, namely – Hutchinson and Ojabo. I got to think that's what's going to be the pl- the the plan of attack for Michigan's defense if they can get hmm. home and create some put in Ohio State even in second and 14. Stuff like that get them off of rhythm. That's the game you to know me. What? Right? Yeah, there. I was just thinking you might see a little bit less Travion Henderson this game. Freshman trying to block them out of the backfield there. Freshman blocking, boy, mm-hmm. that's 
Yeah, my with Master loop. T, the muscle hamster being a little bit... My very good point. Yeah. But yet also... And, and, and then another thing is switching to Michigan with the ball against the Ohio State defense. And by the way, if we're not talking a ton on the Ohio State offense, it's because... We don't need to talk about we, it. We have all... Here, so we'll just say it. They got the best quarterback in the league, the three best wide receivers in the league, definitely on one team, the best running back in the league, and probably the best offensive line. We just want to make sure we are saying that for any Ohio State listeners. It's just that we say it every week. Tight end's pretty good, too. (laughs) (laughs) And pretty good play caller, by the way, play designer. So switching over to the other side. Ohio State's defense versus Michigan's offense. That was a resurgent Ohio State yeah, defense just, that we've seen the I know. last couple of weeks. I'm just it, it it is, but I'm just wondering, uh, can they sustain that? We just have we still have that question, right? Because right? they haven't done it consistently all year. Because what I six weeks ago, the way the Michigan offensive line and rushing attack looked versus how the Ohio State front seven looked, especially their linebackers not being able to locate the oh ball on rushing on just kind of typical plays. You would have thought Michigan would have rushed for 300 yards right. in this game. Like Ohio State has 500 yards passing, and Michigan has 300 yards rushing type of deal. That could still happen, by the way. But I do think we have more faith in the Ohio State front seven and linebackers now than we did three, four I, weeks ago. I think ago. so. Okay, I just I'm not convinced yet. I'm not you still got to show it yet. to me. Um, by the way, X factor for Michigan's offense wide receiver Andrell Anthony. Yes, I think he is going to be an absolute star. This might be one of those games where you say, I don't care if he's ready or not. You've got to let him go up because Michigan is going to have to find chunk plays in this game because Ohio State is going to put points on the board. I think that's one person that can do it. Another person that can do it is Blake Corum. I hope he is healthy hope, for the yes. sake of this being a great game. It seems like he he is a lot of cool stuff. I could see, here. you know, you had that little uh, that that kickoff where they did the lateral pass last week. I could see Harbs like, what does he have to lose? He might as well pull out all the stops, trick plays, fake punts, fake field goals, you name it. If he pulls off a couple of those, that could be that could be a big thing. Yep. Uh, so anyway, as I said, this stuff's real easy. Ohio State's won all but one of these in recent memory. Do I think it's going to be sixty-three to? Three. No, I don't see that happening. I see Michigan hanging in there. But in the end, I see Ohio State winning comfortably. Kind of like you, what you were saying, that original the original line, somewhere around 13 points. I got Ohio State 38, Michigan 20. So that's an easy Ohio State cover, covered by 10 points at 58. That's an easy under, too. Wow, okay. This will be a game that me and you, one of us is going to be right, one of us is going to be wrong a little bit. Um, Ohio State lost one game. Uh, one game they won close, I guess, where they kind of fell asleep by the The rest of them were blots, right? Yeah. So I'm going to take a, something a little bit different here, okay? I think Michigan's going to come up and play, all right? They're playing at home. I, I don't know how I can really explain this, but talk by Michigan players and coaches in the previous years just sounded like talk. I believe they believe it. Now, I believe they think they can attack Ohio State. I believe there has been more, believe it or not, focus on this game by the Michigan staff, starting with Harbaugh, okay? I think we're going to get a good game. And what happens What you get with a good game? You get a lot of points. So I think we're going to have that okay. here. But in the end, there's just a little bit more dudes on the side of the visiting team. I've got Ohio State 40, Michigan 31. So okay. that is a... 
one point cover for Ohio State to give you okay. a little wink wing nudge. I don't feel great about that line anymore, but I'm going to choose Ohio State to cover. And at 71 points, that's almost a full touchdown over the game total. If that's the game we see, I'll be pretty happy, I think. I think that's going to be the game we're going to see. Okay. I hope so. Anything else, buddy? No, I think that's enough, man. We've been at this for a while right now. Um, Good good luck with all your sides tomorrow. Um, The sides need the luck with me. (laughs) Well well put. We will have, I think I've got 20 pounds of bird. Uh, We'll have some leftover. Um, and, And what I didn't get to at the beginning was, I feel like there's a lot of people, you know, trash talking turkey and like it's just turkey and it's like but you know it's a bird it's chicken that's why when when people say you know quote unquote it tastes like chicken it's because it's a it's a you know you have to spruce up the turkey to make it flavorful yeah there are ways to do that i'm gonna attempt to pull that off myself i guess what i'm saying is what do you expect out of turkey do you think it's gonna taste like a ribeye it's it's a bird that's how yeah, that's kind of I mean, how it's supposed to taste and i guess that's why i just don't need it on thanksgiving I get it. Do this. You would just make me feel better. Like you can get like one of those little tiny little hams. Just, yeah. just, just throw that in the oven. Then you got, then you got, a, then you got a meat. I got some deli meat. Will that count? Yeah, um, but here's the one thing I will miss is like the next day having a turkey sandwich. Mm, baby. That's, that's the only thing I'll really miss. I won't miss it. That's the good stuff. For the Thanksgiving meal. Yeah. That's the, that's what I'll be eating right before. Black Friday game oh. for Iowa playing. And it's one of those things that you can put on Wonder Bread. Like, Wonder Bread is yes. pretty low on the totem pole, but there's sometimes it's really good, and that's one of so the like times. The dark turkey I can eat the next day just by itself, but then the white turkey goes on just white bread Absolutely. and mayonnaise. It's incredible. Absolutely. All right. No mayo, but, you know. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we, we were almost there. I am Jeffrey the Green. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. We'll talk to you soon.